0: My question for you is, did you ever have any of those dreams where you really need to go to the toilet, but something's stopping you, and like, you know, (laughs) either someone just walks into the room at the wrong time, and you go, damn it, or you find yourself just unable to open the toilet, you know, door. Has it ever happened to you?
1: No, the common dream for me that I have is um, I'm giving a presentation in an auditorium, and it's packed out. And uh, all these faces are looking up at me, and of course, I'm stark bollock naked. Who are them? And I'm like uh, looking at all these faces, smiling at me, and winking, and uh, blowing kisses, and I really enjoy it. So, that's one of my favorite recurring dreams that I have. <laughs>
2: Use small words that you'll be sure to understand you warthog faced buffoon
3: what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it
2: what did you say
3: you are a sad
2: strange little man don't call me stupid
0: Hello, and welcome to The Best Bits, a movie podcast where we pick our favorite scenes from randomly selected, weirdly specific themes. This is your co-host, Will, a writer of three films plus a Christmas special, and I am joined once again by my co-host and writer of one-and-a-bit films and and three-and-a-bit episodes of TV, Kevin. Uh, Hello, Kevin. uh, What? Wake up. Uh,
1: Oh my God, I just... uh... I just uh, had a, woke up there and I dreamt that we were doing another episode and I hadn't prepared anything. So, uh, oh my God. Nightmare.
0: We're doing another episode. Have you prepared anything? No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like me. <laughs> Let,
0: let's get into it. <laughs> oh God. And this is a really, really juicy one as well. Yeah, we're t- tonight we are discussing dream scenes. I got the topic last week when we spun the wheel and it is as you said it's juicy because why is it juicy kevin because there are so many and when there are so
1: many and not just so many but so many great ones you can only make yourself look like a bit of an idiot by not mentioning uh a hundred other options so this is almost too big of a topic
0: to do in one episode but we will give it a go Don't you worry. I'll get it into the smallest episode I can possibly imagine. I'm just going to get in and get out and get this done as quickly as I can. (laughs) You know what's funny? I find that films and dreams kind of behave. they They have a similar editing. You know the way in films, all of a sudden, it doesn't bother us that characters go from one location, let's say in a house, to suddenly being on a beach. We, our brain automatically understands. An edit happened there. They got there. We didn't need to see the shoe later. But it's also the same in dreams. You'd never really question why you go from one location to another location in a dream. You're just there. And our brain re- adj- readjusts to that.
1: John Wright, who directed Grabbers, described movies as waking dreams. Oh, yeah. And I would agree with that. And there are a lot of films that actually feel like you're dreaming. They may not be about dreams, but they have this sort of vibe or quality to them where it really feels like you are enveloped in a sort of a dream state Mm -hmm. and i don't always enjoy those films you've got to be in a particular mood for them because they can be quite soporific and put you to sleep and that's another thing i fall asleep an awful lot in the cinema at movies Mm. unintended by the filmmakers like falling (laughs) asleep watching the world is not enough i don't think that was intended but <laughs> I really enjoyed the dream that I had. Right. <laughs> so yeah, waking dreams,
0: movies. Yeah, I think they follow a similar pattern. No. No. There are issues with dreams, like, you know, in films. You know, I think, I feel this is going to be a really kind of writer-y topic. Kind of, we've no choice. But well, can I tell of... you one thing, right? When the, when
1: this topic came up, the first thing that flashed into my head is like, I remember being in school and we had to write a short story and it was only like two pages or whatever it was. It was about eight or nine And the English teacher outlawed any of us ending the story as it was all a dream. You can't end it that way. And I do have a bit of a issue with dream sequences in movies that aren't integral to the story and aren't sort of pushing the story forward where they're almost fake outs or they're eliciting suspense that isn't naturally coming from the, the narrative itself. And they feel like, they feel extraneous and I it takes it takes a really good dream sequence for me to
0: feel like that was important you're absolutely right there are a lot of cons with dream sequence dream sequences can be cheats I feel they can be a way of of articulating character by if we have a kind of a closed off character it's a way of showing their deepest desires a good example
1: of that is American Beauty i've been waiting for you kevin spacey having that yeah. fantasy about mina suave on the roof and on the ceiling on the roof yeah <laughs> she's up on the roof get her down <laughs> <laughs> on the ceiling yeah. and all these rose petals falling towards him yeah that yeah. gave you insight into his sexual desire You've been
2: working out have you
0: Okay, it's cinematic. It was lovely to look at. It was. It it defined the entire look of that film. Yeah, absolutely. The poster campaign. The poster.
1: Can I give you another example of one that that gives you insight into a a character like that? Go on. And it's one of the few ones where it's a fake-out, but I like it. And I don't usually like the fake-out ones where it's like, ah, suddenly they wake up in a dream and you've got that sort of very familiar trope of the person sitting bolt right up in bed after having a nightmare. And it's usually Mm. something... That uh, is quite tropey itself as a dream. But there's a great one in Aliens.
2: Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out.
1: That's the plan. When Sigourney Weaver is having a nightmare of having a chest burster inside her.
2: 57 years. What? That's the thing. You were out there for 57 years. What happened was you had drifted right through the core systems. And it's really just blind luck that a deep salvage team found you when they did. It's one in a thousand, really. I think you're damn lucky to be alive, kiddo. You could be
1: floating out there forever. It's, it's... first time I was watching it and I'm sure it still works for a lot of audiences. You think, oh shit, she's actually got one in her. And then you, Mm -hmm. she wakes up and you realize, oh, she's not gotten over this. That's the trauma still lingering. And it's a,
0: it's a good way to catch the audience up on the events of the prior film. And that's why films are like dreams because in, because in dreams, usually we don't realize we're in a dream. And when you're watching Aliens, that scene for the first time, you don't realize it's a dream because you're just going along, going along with the flow. As you said, it can be a bit tropey at times if it exploits a bit too much. But in actual fact, they use this in a clever way where we, they, they plant the idea of the mechanics of the alien. Mm-hmm. But also they are giving us an understanding of what her deep anxiety is, her PTSD. yes it also gives us an understanding of why the hell she wouldn't want to go back to LV-426. So it's it's ticking a lot of boxes right See, there for the story.
1: There's another one then in another horror film, which is an amazing scare scene. And it's really strange, but I don't feel like it's integral to the movie, even though it's so important to that film. And it's, it's a sequence that everybody would fight vigorously to keep in the movie and i'd be one of them but it's in american worth in london and it's when he is dreaming about the nazi monsters that burst into his house and kill his family that's, that's punching judy they've it's always it's been violent judy. it's good it's good it's a yeah. good aggressive behavior better, better than
2: my i just
3: want to watch episode right now oh. i was going to bite you very badly
2: get the door
1: a song for tonight all right
3: all right hold your horses uh, yeah. all right already and <laughs> gentlemen
1: what does that have to do with werewolves not much but I suppose it tells you that he's having these really disturbing dreams because something is not right within him, and he's not
0: getting any rest. He's not getting any peace, and and that's a that's a dream within the dream, isn't it? Yeah, that's they where he, do it. Twice. He wakes up twice, twice. Yeah, and he's he wakes up the first time. He's Jenny Agutter's at his bedside, and she goes to the window, and uh, one of those monsters reaches in and kills yeah. her. I, I I will always make the case that there's always a place for a dream sequence in a film. Not always, but there you can argue why we why dream sequences should be in films is because they are ubiquitous to almost every person actually every living creature we all experience dreams and they feel true to us you know so I think when Ah, we witness
1: like dreams of chasing squirrels and
0: yeah (laughs) 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 or (laughs) like my cat just swiping at bumblebees or whatever it is (laughs) you know or uh...
1: you know dreaming about raptors talking to you on a plane (laughs)
0: Hello, Alan. I was. It was Jurassic Park three, wasn't it? Yes,
1: <laughs> that was the so second fucked. best
0: Jurassic Park. Kev, yeah, we've been hit. We've been down this alley before. Oh my god! You know what? That's a moment. This is this is a this is a good example of a bad dream sequence. Yeah, where, and I'm not going to defend that, right? Because okay, why is that bad? It pokes fun
1: at the monsters and it turns them into a joke. And yeah. I think in any movie, when especially when you're trying to elicit laughs from scary situations, when you start to make those situations come from the villain itself, that the villain is comedic, mm. then all tension and suspense sort of- you, you're, Undermines. You're, you're undermining it, but you're borrowing from that. And so you, you really need to decide, is it worth the trade-off? So having a velociraptor, the terrifying villains from the first movie, no having a sort of a, a chatty moment with Alan,
0: even though it's just one word, it still is goofy. And why do you want to make them goofy? It's, uh, for our listeners who don't know what we're talking about, it's in Jurassic Park 3, as Alan Grant is going back to the islands to whatever, do a rescue. And on the plane he falls asleep, and it turns out there's a Velociraptor in his dream, a Velociraptor is sitting beside him, and it completely ruins the fear that you should have towards these dinosaurs. It kind of just takes the piss out of everything that went before it in one moment. It was so ill-judged. It really was. That's an example of where dream sequences can go wrong, Mm -hmm. where they take away from the film. But I feel that if you have an atmospheric, anxiety-driven dream that is connected to the character's PTSD or, or reveals something about the character, but I think more importantly, creates and adds to the mood and tone of the film, then I think if it's adding a sense of suspense or dread, if in the case of a horror film or a thriller or whatever, I think that's that's positive. That's That can be quite effective.
1: I've got one for that. Go on. A lot of the dream sequences in movies can feel very stylized or they can feel very mundane to the point where they are like that, where it's just a raptor is in a plane and it doesn't feel like... Y- they shoot it in a way where you don't realize you're in a dream until the, the payoff. But in the exorcist when oh. father Karras has a stress dream about his yeah. elderly mother and all the sound has been sucked out of the scene so it it it's like mos the way that they're playing it and his elderly mother is shot from across the street and he's running to her screaming screaming her name there's no sound coming out and she's calling him like "Damn me and then she turns around and slowly goes down the stairs to the subway that was really haunting. It really gave you an insight into the the character of, of that man, the guilt that
0: he felt. You're absolutely right, Kevin. My God, that particular scene is was one of the ones I was going to mention because it plays on his anxiety and it plays on the guilt and shame he experiences later on when it turns out that she actually she does pass away that night, mm-hmm. isn't it? She's she's put into a I guess you call it.
1: Well, it's a, a nursing home back then. Oh God, it looked like a sanatorium. Yeah, yeah. Horrible. The guilt. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that's
0: more haunting than than Pazuzu. But it's the way the imagery is presented in that scene. Mm-hmm. This haunting long lens. The the posing of the mother, the way she's standing at the top of the sub, subway, and, and the steps. helplessness that he feels. Yeah, that he's oh, running to her. How common she, is that in dreams? Where you, you you're running, but you're not moving what tr- what chills me most about that particular moment is the shot of her walking back down the steps Yeah, like she's descending herself down the steps I get I genuinely get goose pimples thinking about that shot that he's not going to get to her she's gone she's uh, and and you feel the regret you feel it ah oh, yeah there we go that's a great example it feels very relatable that dream absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. There's another one, so we're kind of talking about dreams. We're talking about stress dreams, now. Stress, anxiety dreams. We yeah. all have anxiety dreams. Jesus. I'll tell you what,
1: one of my genuine anxiety dreams that I have. And I really, I'll give you
0: one of mine after. My, I really mine
1: after this. hate when it happens, and, yeah. I, and it usually happens when I am on a deadline, or um, I haven't gotten enough sleep, or I've drank too much. Usually, oh. I can have horrible lucid dreams when I've when I've gone out, and I've. I'm not a big drinker. I could have like four or five pints, and then I'm absolutely like wrecked the next day. But the stress dreams that I always have are about my dog, my little Jack Russell dog Rosie, oh. and it's always a case of her wandering into the road to, and traffic is coming towards her and I am moving way too slow to stop her from getting hit and uh, it's that's it would it would just be that length it'd be like a, a, I suppose if in reality it would probably be seconds but in the dream it feels like it goes on for ages where I'm like trying to save my dog from getting hit by a van or a car that's coming towards her and the, the helplessness I always have stress dreams about something happening to my dog. That's, that's, been, that's
0: fascinating. And it's a little bit like Caris's Father Caris's dream where he can't get, he can't get to his mother and time. Yeah. I'll give you my one. I've got a stress dream that happens to me a lot. And it's, I'm driving the car. Usually the family around with me. Oh, you're reminding and- me of another one. And, I, and I'm driving along and the brakes don't work. Yes. No, water, no matter what happens, the bloody brakes don't work. I have it's woken it's up awful. from one
1: of those dreams where my foot is clenched and I'm pressing down at the foot of the bed. I had yeah. one where I was driving a Luton van and I was going down a very steep hill towards a roundabout. And the traffic was bombing around the roundabout and I couldn't get the brakes to work. And I was just heading towards doom. And I just woke up like my leg cramping because I was
0: pressing (laughs) down on on the brakes that weren't there. (gasps) Oh, God. But Kevin, so not all our dreams are about anxiety and fears. We also have dreams in which we are experiencing wish fulfillment where we get to uh, rob a bank (laughs) 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 or fly or do amazing things. And there are a couple of scenes that I think are great demonstrations of really good wish fulfillment dreams. Uh, One comes from Rushmore, uh, Wes Anderson's film. I've never seen it. Oh, you've never
1: have? Yeah, I asked a couple of friends today and David Frame, the director of Dating Amber and The Cure, the um, Elliot Page movie, he said that sequence from Rushmore and I said to him what I just said to you I've never seen it
0: Wow well let me so for our listeners who have like Kevin who's never watched Rushmore it's basically about a character Max who is played by Jason Schwartzman. he is going to a an expensive prep school on a scholarship the school is called Rushmore he loves the school with all his might He is involved in every possible extracurricular activity that he can possibly be a part of. He's the president or the vice president of all of them. He directs, writes and directs plays, which are adaptations of of, 1970s films. (laughs) Bit of an overachiever. But the problem is Max is failing in his grades. He cannot. He's really poor academically. And the dream scene that I love in this film is... Of, of a teacher, of a math teacher, a dry math teacher doing a lesson at the chalkboard, and one of the kids points to a, a particularly difficult math problem that's over the corner, over at the corner of the board.
2: Yes, Isaac. What about
0: that problem? Oh, that. Don't worry about that. M. Wait. Is... Why? I just put that up as a joke. That's probably the hardest geometry equation in the world. Well, how much extra credit is it worth? Well, considering I've never seen anyone get it right including my mentor dr. Leakey at MIT I guess if anyone here can solve that problem I'd see to it that none of you ever have to open another
3: math book again for the rest of your lives
0: <laughs> <He> got, someone <laughs> someone says what about you Max and Max just is, is engrossed in a broadsheet newspaper Max here to try it
2: I'm sorry did someone say my name. <laughs>
0: And he goes up to the goes up to the blackboard with a cup of coffee with like a with a china cup, and we have quick cuts of him doing this incredible solving. And uh, when he solves it, everyone comes up and cheers and raises him on his shoulders. I love those kind of dreams. In dream sequences, the fantasy. <laughs> and, it's, and it's tapping into his deepest anxiety, which is that he adores Rushmore, the school, but he is going to get kicked out because he's not academically good enough. He just can't do it. And this is him being that great academic and him achieving that uh, goal. And it's class. And it's also Wes Anderson, so it's quirky and fun. Yeah, yeah. Nice to look at.
1: You're reminding me of one that's in Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. where I've never seen that. I have seen it and I don't remember it in detail, but I do remember that there's like a 20-minute dream sequence that takes place in that where they go back to their high school reunion and Lisa Kudrow is facing off against a bunch of mean girls. And they really don't think that anything would have come of her. And so she makes up the story that she invented post-it notes.
2: (laughs) Actually, I invented a special kind of glue. Oh, really? Well, then I'm sure you wouldn't mind giving us a detailed account of exactly how you concocted this miracle glue, would you? No. Um. Well... Ordinarily, when you make glue, first you need to thermoset your resin and then after it cools, you mix in um, epoxy, which is really just a fancy schmancy name for any simple oxygenated adhesive, right? Then I thought maybe, just maybe, you could raise the viscosity by adding a complex glucose derivative during the emulsification process. And it turns out I was right. <laughs> You must be the most successful person in our graduating class. Uh-huh. And you're not. Bye.
1: And it's it's very cute. And you're reminded of what a great actress Lisa Kudra was. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she's doing that, that same thing of like, she's a ditzy character in real life. And in that moment, she's just got all the words at her disposal. She's she's able to put them in their place. And was it that it ends? It's, they say something like, my god you must be the most successful person here and she goes yeah that's right and you're not and she walks away <laughs> and it's just fulfilling the fantasy of going back and not being a failure but actually yeah. having amounted to something yeah those are really fun sort of like there. wish fulfillment dream
0: sequences I've got another one for you right and this is from a comedy and it's very goofy but it's so enjoyable it's from Dumb and Dumber excuse me could you tell me how to get to the medical school?
2: You go straight ahead and uh, you make the left over the bridge.
0: That's a lovely accent you have. New Jersey?
3: Austria. Austria?
0: <laughs> well
2: then, good <laughs> day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on
1: the barbie. <laughs> this is the date dream, isn't this it? Is the Where date he dreams dream. of having a... <laughs> oh, yeah. Perfect. Where he, <laughs> <laughs> he, goes, <laughs> he tells a joke <laughs> and she finds it fucking hilarious.
0: Yeah, everyone finds it hilarious. Every oh and what he's doing is that's he's, a brilliant he, one. He's thrown petzels at his face <laughs> and it's just the dumbest gag. And everyone is just in stitches. Yeah. And then he pulls his legs behind his ears <laughs> and, and he, he lights his fart again. Everyone thinks it's hilarious. And then he's at dinner and. The chef comes out, and uh, he's also a kung fu master. Well, you know, in Jim's <laughs> dream or Carrie and Lies, I can't he remember which one he is. Out. He he rips, he punches, he's through his chest and rips his heart out, and puts in a little doggy bag and folds it up and hands it to him. <laughs>
1: the best sequence in that film, I think. Brilliant. I laughed like a drain watching that (laughs) and I totally forgot
0: about that till you just reminded me. That was so brilliant. And that's exactly my kind of humour. why I like it is that, why I like it is that, right, it's funny gags. It's funny gags. But also, we see the world through Lloyd's or Harry's eyes. Yes. How he views himself. How deluded he is Mm -hmm. in his worldview. God love it. And I think that helps strengthen our understanding of that character yes so uh, from a technical point of view it works but from a comedic point of view it's absolutely hilarious people love characters that are rooting for something and
1: they are striving to achieve something we love go-getters and you know they may fail we'll even love them more if they fail but as long as they try and they try their hardest we love them
0: it's his desire to be romantically involved with Mary is what drives him on his mission across country, which he's uh, with the. It's just brilliant. It's just such a funny film. It is. It really is. But Kevin. Yes. We already discussed dreams within dreams. You brought up American Werewolf in London, right? That's mm-hmm. another thing that happens where we see in films, we see characters waking up from a dream and then more bad shit happens and they wake up from a, uh, from a dream. But there's a film, and I have to say, it's a film that is one of the most ambitious. Hollywood blockbusters made in the last 20 years in which dreams are integral to the plot dreams within dreams are the plot oh I know where you're going it's Inception
3: there's one thing you should know about me
2: I specialize in a very specific type of security subconscious security you're talking about dreams dreams Mr. Cobb has a job offer he would like to discuss with you.
3: What kind of work placement?
2: Not exactly. We create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream, and they fill it with their secrets.
3: Then you break in and steal it.
2: Well, it's not strictly speaking legal. It's called Inception. I'm ready. I,
1: I walked I out the cinema from Inception feeling like, no, that's a fucking movie. Yeah. And then mm, I started to pull it apart a little bit. And it, it's not one of those films that's very rewatchable because it's, it's so montage heavy in its editing style. And you end up wishing they did more with certain characters, or I do anyway, especially with the Elliot Page character where she is brought in as somebody that can create these MC Escher type mazes yeah. and they don't do that. She just stands around sort of being this observer of the plot as it's unfolding and you know, doing the Sigourney Weaver from Galaxy Quest thing of like going out, oh, we're in trouble here, we need to get out of here, uh, repeatedly when she could be just doing all this fucking magical, like staircases that go off to nowhere and upside down worlds and what have you. So that stuff I am more critical of, but the actual, the conceit of the dreams within the dreams and the set pieces that he pulled off with the different levels where it's like, you've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the corridor and the guys in the van. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was just magnificent storytelling on the big screen and we often say off mic not so much on mic but off mic that we wish we could get back to original storytelling on the on the big screen where you don't know where it's going you don't have any preconceived notions of the characters or the the sort of the storylines and it's all sort of unfolding for the first time before your eyes and that was one of those experiences where i just thought like i love this and i loved it because the dreams were not superficial or they weren't extraneous. They were they were the purpose for the movie existing. So they were built into it and the dream logic was great. And yeah, I it's a cracking film and you can't really talk about dreams on screen without talking about Inception.
0: Absolutely. It was going to be my best pick. And I was fully convinced because exactly as you said, it's so ambitious for a big Hollywood blockbuster to have a film which is which is a heist movie but set in dreams christ above i could no like no hollywood studio would you know back that today and give you know i think it was a budget of 180 million
1: i don't even think with nolan directing it they'd give it to him
0: maybe not no it was just because not. of the dark knight mhm absolutely absolutely i agree with you that yeah, it's not perfect and maybe if you start pulling apart you can kind of get a little bit like, hang on a second, does this all this click together? I just want
1: more would, out of the film. So it's not a criticism that the film is shite. It's that I wish that they they showed me things that they didn't then do and I wish yeah. they did them.
0: I would have taken another, you know, twenty minutes of that film. I would have been that if that was closer yeah. to three hours, I think I would have been quite content for that to be a three hour film. What was the scene then, the dream scene that you wanted? The to? dream scene is the dream within the dream. And it's literally the dream within a dream within a dream. <laughs> how that heist is pulled off, and how the the genius of the idea that time moves differently in each layer. Yeah, because that actually, I, I feel that that's true to real life. Sometimes you have you fall asleep for five minutes, and you have a dream that is an epic dream that you go on a huge adventure. Dreaming can be quite supernatural, and that I have I've often
1: fallen asleep listening to a podcast, so I'm able to time how long I was asleep. Right. And I would have fallen asleep for about two minutes, but I feel immensely refreshed after it. Mm. And it's a strange thing of like, your whole body just reboots when you just go unconscious for a little bit. Absolutely.
0: But it's that scene in Inception where we have the layer that's happening, where the, the truck that's coming off the edge of the bridge and the... The kind of the chain reaction devices that to get out of the dream you need a drop, which is a physical physical drop where you experience gravity kicking in. Mm. So time slows down for the people who are experiencing the dream within the passengers of that in that in that uh, truck. Sorry, in the van, and they those people who are asleep are in the layer below, which is in uh, a hotel co- uh, floor, which yeah. is a, an amazing set piece where we have that fight with the rotating hallway and bedroom. Incredible scene with Joseph Gordon and then in the layer below that we have the um the heist. The Bond heist. Yeah. And then it
1: goes deeper again into Marion Cotillard's city nightmareville.
0: Why I, I admire it so much is that they took aspects of real life dream experiences and turned it into a compelling Hollywood heist movie. Did you not find it distracting how fast the film is edited where it's all
1: exposition 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 but it's all done in montage leonardo dicaprio's character is basically pitching the movie and the 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 parameters of what has to happen for the story to unfold continuously throughout the whole film it's like 80 minutes of a pitch and the first time you're watching it that's necessary the second time it's like i know man get on with it i don't need you to tell us about the kick i don't need you to tell us about time moving differently and
0: I have to say, I enjoyed it. I watched it twice in the cinema, as a matter of fact. And this time I watched it, I really enjoyed watching it because I started to question Leonardo DiCaprio's character's state of mind. Mm -hmm. I really started to question whether all this is happening in the dream plane. The whole thing. And I was looking for the tells and looking for the little clues that suggest that he currently is. Isn't
1: there one where he's in a chase sequence and he goes through an alleyway and the
0: walls start to close in? Yeah. And there were several moments in the film where you can read scenes where Michael Caine is saying, literally, you need to wake up. Yeah. So I think you could read it that he is, he's still stuck there.
2: I'm just doing what I know. I'm doing what you taught me. I never taught you to be a thief. No, you taught me to navigate people's minds, but after what happened, there weren't a whole lot of legitimate ways for me to use that skill. What are you doing here, Doc? I think I found a way home. It's a job for some very, very powerful people. People who I believe can fix my charges permanently. But I need your help. You're here to corrupt one of my brightest and best. You know what I'm offering? You have to let them decide for themselves. Money. Not just money. You remember. It's the chance to build cathedrals, entire cities, things that never existed, things that couldn't exist in the real world. So you, you want me to let someone else follow you into your fantasy? They don't actually come into the dream. They just, they just design the levels and teach them to the dreamers. That's all. Design it yourself. Ma won't let me. Back to reality, Tom. Please. Reality. Those kids, your grandchildren, they're waiting for their father to come back home. That's their reality. And this job, this last job, that's how I get there. I would not be standing here if I knew any other way. I need an architect who is as good as I
1: was. What are the dream scenes that you see getting referenced a lot because i asked around and there was a there was a few that came up and i thought oh that's a great mention go on out. well look obviously vertical you can't really you know Mm -hmm. talk about dreams or talk about talking about vertical again it's like uh american beauty where The iconography of that film is basically taken from that dream sequence, you know, where it's just the head and all the the kaleidoscope like imagery and the animated scenes that are blended into it. Yeah. Gorgeous. There was another one that was mentioned to me by Gavin Burke and I watched it quickly for this uh, episode and it's The Marrying Kind from 1951, which was co-written by Ruth Gordon. And it has uh, a really fun dream sequence with Aldo Ray where, he is after having an argument with uh, the female lead he lies down on the twin bed opposite her as you do and Mm. he starts to float off of the bed and get pulled out of the scene and it turns out that he's actually on a conveyor belt and then he sits up in a conveyor belt and you know he's immediately thrown into a chaos situation where it's like quick the president of the company is coming and you need to do this and they'll cut away and cut back and suddenly he's got on like a, a suit and he's trying to sweep up all these ball bearings on the floor and then the president comes in he slips on them and there's a huge chase sequence and it's all done in camera obviously and wow, it's a great chase scene that happens with this guy stressing out and I thought that was one that was worth mentioning All swept
3: up, keeper? Yes, sir! it's because the Postmaster General of the United States, Clarence F. Dow, your wife's old boss, is paying us a little visit today. Three cheers for the red, white, and blue, sir.
2: Right this way, sir. A little surprise for you, Mr. Newhouse. We have a distinguished visitor coming here to look over your post office. You don't say
3: so. Just the President of the United States, that's all. Right in here, sir.
0: Gentlemen, this is a Peachy Post Office. Congratulations. What you step, Mr. President.
3: Shoot him in sunrise!
1: Um, obviously T2 when uh, yep. sarah connor is dreaming about the nuclear apocalypse
0: a g- big anxiety dream it is and it works really well and it ge- and, and and that was is that one of those scenes that they cut out from the original theatrical release and i think it's important because i can't again, tell anymore because i've only seen the the,
1: the extended edition yeah kind so of much.
0: like which uh, kind of like aliens as well but something else we've mentioned already where it gives grounding for her coldness of her motivation throughout the film where she has literally witnessed the nuclear apocalypse and that's what's driving her that's what's driving motivating her to to stop it so yeah that's another good example of that particular type of dream
1: And then there were ones that i was not aware of i knew obviously the film existed but i hadn't seen it so i watched it for this and it's akira kurosawa's film dreams from like oh yeah yeah, yeah an anthology film it's I, I wonder whether someone like miyazaki would watch that and think i love this but it is right. very much like dream logic and it, there are all these different vignettes and so they don't really seem to have any connection other than that they were inspired by Akira Kurosawa's actual dreams. But of mm-hmm. course, obviously, it's gorgeous to watch. And if you were watching this like in the Kino cinema on a Sunday afternoon with like a nice um, warm hot chocolate, you would just be luxuriating in that uh, experience of actually participating in somebody else's dreams.
0: Yeah. It's been 30 years, no, maybe 25 years since I've seen that. But some of the images are still burned in my brain. Uh, Of like a a ghost army Walking out of a tunnel
1: Yeah with that 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 bright turquoise skin colour That they have
0: Yes His dreams
2: As a child As a man In winter spring, summer, and fall, the past, present, and future, the thoughts and images of one man for all men, Akira Kurosawa's dreams. One man's dreams for every dreamer.
1: Then there are films that aren't based on dreams, but they actually feel like dreams. And right. one that I really loved, but it's it's one that you can't recommend to anybody um, without really knowing what the taste is, because they're probably going to think, you know, what is this fucking art film that you're recommending to me? But it's Tarsem sings the fall. Oh, I love it from 2006. It's yes. gorgeous,
0: and it feels like a, an entire dream. Listeners, if you have not seen The Fall, please—if you're going to watch one film from this whole list—watch The Fall. It is absolutely beautiful. Is it a dream? Is the whole thing—is it a dream? I always—I was wondering if it was a imagi- if it was an imagination, or if it was a, if we were experiencing. It, it could be, you know, because
1: you got the guy—the guys—laid up in the the hospital. Yeah, it could be. But he is all about that stuff. I mean, obviously, the film he did before that was The Cell with Jennifer Lopez. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that as well. You're not dealing with dreams, but you're dealing with somebody's twisted psyche and you're entering into it. And again, it's just stunning visuals.
2: How'd you hurt your arm? I fit. Me too. I'll tell you a story. Close your eyes. There were five of them the Indian, the ex slave, an explosive expert, Charles Darwin, and the masked bent. They had one common enemy Governor Odious. Is Odious Batman? Oh, yeah. <laughs> First, I need a favour. You always stop at the same part when it's very beautiful. Do you want me to finish the story? Be a good bandit.
1: There was one that immediately came to mind and it was going to be my pick. Right. Um, And then I thought, well, there are other films that sort of got under my skin more and became more impactful to who I am as a writer I guess and what kind of movies I love but eight and a half by Fellini, the opening sequence Ooh. of that does really feel like you're dreaming when you're watching it and it's gorgeous and it opens with him in traffic you're're you're, you're, you're disorientated because of the way that it's shot and the way that, mm. that the sort of the sound is, is manipulated. all the images in that first sequence of that film, it really feels like you're transported totally to a, a whole other world. And it's like, it feels very personal and private. Like when you're watching those kind of films, the ones that feel like, like Akira Kurosawa's dreams or what have you, they don't feel like shared experiences in a packed cinema. It feels like it's just me and the filmmaker mm-hmm. and I am connecting to, I'm watching something very private. And that's how I felt watching eight and a half where
0: I just thought it would, it would inspire you to dream. Wow. I, I, it's been years since I've seen Eight and a Half. Like I think I saw it as a young teenager, but never fully appreciated it. It was kind of one of those things where I watched late at night and half watched, but never gave it my full attention. So I have to go back and watch it.
1: Yeah, there's stuff in that that he shot that I don't know how they did it. Obviously, it's probably they had like massive cranes, or they they were on maybe even like a hot air balloon. I don't know, but like him floating over the beach and it, it it's it's a gorgeous looking film. And it's very entertaining as well. It goes in all different directions. But yeah, that was one that immediately came to mind when this topic came up.
0: But my pick wouldn't be that. Oh, oh it's an, I thought it was gonna be your pick. No please let's well I'm getting close to my pick, so I think it's a perfect opportunity for you now to break out your pick, Kevin. So my pick is I think that Inception
1: is the best dramatizing of the potential that you can do with dreams in a movie where it is the basis for the story, where it's not like something that happens because we all have dreams or whatever. or It's not insight into a character, but it's actually the story is about heisting somebody's dreams. I think that's a brilliant concept where it does the the inverse of the film that I am going to pick my scene from, which is that in Inception – what happens to you in the real life affects how you dream, which I think is probably more true to life. Where if you are tipped over, you you feel like you're falling, or or if you put your hand into a dish of water, you'll piss the bed, uh, which is a famous sort of prank that people will do.
0: <laughs> never happened to me, Kevin. Never, no. never happened to me either.
1: <laughs> so Inception, it's like what happens in the real life affects your dreams, but the film that I'm taking my pick from, it's what happens in the dreams affects the real life. So you can hmm. get killed in the dreams And it's a nightmare, not a dream And it is a nightmare in Elm Street
2: The kids of Elm Street Don't know it yet But something is coming To get them There's something out there, isn't
0: there? You just see Cuts
3: happen
2: What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know what There's a coroner i got to say. It's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. They're
3: gonna kill me for sure.
2: Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next.
3: Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining
2: things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah! Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do. Don't fall asleep. No! Ah! She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. <coughs> no one will survive. Ah! Wes Craven, director of The Heels Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, of course.
3: Oh, of course. Wes
1: Craven came up with a gold standard, incredible concept of we all have to sleep. And in yeah. the dreams, this creature called Freddy Krueger is going to get you and you can't stay awake for long. Eventually you're going to fall asleep. And if he kills you in your dreams, you die in real life. And I watched that when I was probably 12 or 13, this legendary film. You know, it's you you look on the video shelves and there are dozens of them going along and you're thinking, what's this? I went and took it home, watched it, and I was blown away by the, not the first nightmare that happens in the film, but the second one, which is the death of Tina. Oh, which one is that? Go on. It's the big splashy kill that happens where you think the female lead of the movie, Tina, played by Amanda Wiss, she's the one that's leading you into the story. She's the one that's had the first nightmare and she's the one that's recounting this to the other friends, to Heather Langenkamp and to Johnny Depp and saying, I had this dream, but this guy with knives or fingers. And then when uh, she's having... A sleepover with her friends And she's after sleeping with her boyfriend She has a nightmare And in it, Freddie eventually catches up to her And he kills her And they do a thing which was popularised by Fred Astaire In uh, The Royal Wedding The 1950s film from Fred Mm. Astaire Where the room rotates So that from our perspective In that film, The Royal Wedding It looks like Fred is dancing on the ceiling And in The Nightmare on Elm Street It looks like Freddie is basically pulling her up onto the ceiling and massacring her it was just a riveting sequence and it's not a dream it's a nightmare and it blends reality with the dream world and it's a really cracking scene and that concept is great and it's so great that they were able to just extend it over like six seven eight nine ten films so i would say of all the dream sequences in movies that would be my favorite (laughs)
0: excellent. Freddy was the boogeyman of my childhood. Like you, seeing those video covers on the shelves was enough to elicit nightmares of me. Mine was Father and... Daily. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I just made that name up. Good, 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 good. Um, But yeah, I, I that scene, because I think it was one of those videos that we did when my brothers would have rented and I would have watched through the crack of the door and uh, be terrified by it. And so bloody. It made me truly terrified to go to sleep that night.
1: There's a couple of other ones while we were talking that I was thinking, making a mental note to mention, because as I said at the top of the recording, this is such a huge, juicy sort of theme for this episode that we can mm. only do a disservice by not mentioning the multitude of great options out there. You've got The Big Lebowski.
3: Yeah, yeah oh yeah, what can you?
0: That great sequence oh, oh. in The Big Lebowski. I yeah. meant to mention that, actually. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I've got one for you. Paprika, an animated movie, which is all about, again, it utilizing dreams where you just have to, if you're interested in anime in any way, shape or form, watch Paprika. It's an amazing, amazing, beautiful film.
1: fearless another uh, jeff bridges movie where he is dealing with ptsd of surviving that plane crash and it's quite stylized where he's like moving through the fuselage and it's all quite heavenly and stuff
0: Brazil is a good one in Brazil there's a reoccurring dream that Sam has uh, Jonathan Price's character where he is this be winged silver knight flying through the sky saving a princess Yeah, and it works brilliantly the complete contrast to the living nightmare his real world is also you can argue that film half of that film is a dream so anyway
1: Yeah, Spider. Jacob's Ladder as well is a great one that sort of um, yeah. utilizes dreams as part of the storyline. So what he's seeing is actually, well, it would be a spoiler, but that's a good one for dreams being integral
0: to the actual story. The Wizard of Oz, that could all be a dream. Oh, it could
1: be, yeah, yeah. Christmas Vacation, did we mention that? On oh god, we didn't mention. Well, uh, it's a daydream. Where he's it's having a, a fantasy yeah. of the, the girl from the boutique stand wearing the red swimsuit and diving into the pool that he
0: really wishes. So <laughs> why is a way. I know the song. <laughs> I love that film so much.
2: is a way. <laughs> to say Merry Christmas to
3: you. <laughs> <See> you.
0: <laughs> now, shall I lead you on to my best pick for Dream Scene? Uh, we'll, we'll we'll just hang up here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave us. We'll leave it. I'm actually quite tired. I fancy going for a bit of a nap, no, actually. Yeah. Um, no, no, tell me, what is it? I'll tell you. Well, I'm fascinated because I would have thought you would have gone with Inception. I was going to go with Inception, but then I started to think about it today and I realized that there's, did you sleep on it? I slept on it. And when I woke up, it hit me like a ton of bricks because I hit my head against the wall, the ceiling. <laughs> there's one filmmaker whose films feel like dreams, even if they don't have a dream sequence in it. All, Nearly all of his films feel like, truly like nightmares, anxiety dreams at times. He's a filmmaker that... Uwe using.
3: <laughs> How
0: did you know? <laughs> He's a filmmaker that utilizes and plays with dream logic in all his films. And of course, that filmmaker is David Lynch. I could not. Of course. How do we go this
1: entire episode and not talk about David Lynch? How did that happen?
0: David, the Dave Lynch, right? (laughs) David Nightmare Man. (laughs) If you go back to his, even his student films, there's one called Alphabet, which is online, and it is like watching a nightmare. He has some sort of subconscious connection to the dream world and is able to pull that forth and make his films feel like living dreams. Even if you watch Eraserhead, Mm. Eraserhead, to me, feels like an anxiety nightmare extended over two hours. It's a a, a terrifying film. It's the imagery he captures is so stark and so unnerving, but also the sound he utilizes in his films, Mm. how he creates low rumbles. And TV. absolutely, fucking (laughs) uh, Like... Because I only watched <laughs> yes. season one of Twin Peaks. Did you
1: get to Twin Peaks to return? No. Oh I, my God. Well, I need to uh, make the case for that because when I think of David Lynch's dream sequences, no, after seeing Twin Peaks to return, that has overtaken almost all of his other films. Really? Like Lost Highway almost feels like the entire film is you know, dream logic. Yeah. But there are episodes of Twin Peaks return that are so nightmarish and off putting and strange that I don't think I'll ever forget them. So wow. you should definitely make time to watch that. I truly will. I think it's episode seven or episode eight. One uh, people know exactly what I'm talking about. Who've watched it, but there's an episode either six, seven or eight that I could not believe that
0: that was on TV. Can I jump into it having only watched the first season of Twin Peaks? It's a very loose sequel. Okay, okay, okay. I think it could dive it into It goes so. off in its own thing entirely. It's very hard to pin down what is so captivating about Lynch's films. And I feel, as you said, there's something off putting and unnerving, but there's also something compelling, utterly compelling about his films mm-hmm. where you can't look away. Mm. And I think we could look at films you talked about, The Lost Highway. That's a film just driving on dream logic the whole way yeah. through. It has no, there, there is no rhyme or reason. Characters appear, disappear. And a
1: fantastic a- film. I, there, I've had friends that really don't like that film.
0: And I just think it's magnificent. Yeah. It's, it's just, you get wrapped up and you just, you have to let yourself go. Mm. You have to let yourself be consumed by the film. My pick is from one of his films. And it is kind of a cheat. But it is isn't a cheat because it's a dream outside of a dream outside of a dream, right? And it's happening in the real world. And it's a scene from That could Mulholland. be any of his films. It really <laughs> is any of his films. It really could be. But my God, I rewatched this several times today and it fucked me up every time. Oh my God. It's from Mulholland Drive.
2: I can't believe it. I'm just so excited to be here. I'm in this dream place.
0: This one comes highly recommended. Dream place?
3: What are you doing? Get out of the car. Ah!
2: Yes. The girl is still missing. What's wrong? I don't know who I am wonder where you were going. Oh, Come on, it'll be just like in the movies. We'll pretend to be someone else.
3: Silencio. This is all an illusion.
2: You want to know who you are, don't you? Where's this going? Oh, I'm it's been a very strange day. I'm getting stranger. Silencio.
0: I think I know what you're gonna say. It's in the diner. It would make it would make a great jump scare. Oh, it certainly would. So Dan's sitting across from another character, I can't remember his name, and he is he has got this nervous energy about him like he hasn't slept in days Mm -hmm. and he is describing to his to to the guy across the table from this dream that he's had twice now in this location in this specific location
3: okay so you had a dream about this place tell me well it's the second one I've had But they're both the same. They start out that I'm in here, but it's not day or night. It's kind of half night, you know? But it looks just like this, (laughs) except for the light. And I'm scared, like I can't tell you. Of all people, you're standing right over there. by that counter. You're in both dreams and you're scared. I get even more frightened when I see how afraid you are and then I realize what it is. (laughs) There's a man in back of this place. He's the one who's doing it. I can see him through the wall. I can see his face. I hope that I never see that face ever outside of a dream. So you came to see if he's out there to get rid of this god awful feeling. Right then. His
0: colleague goes over to pay for the, the meal and as if he's as if we're living out the dream in real life. he sees sees him standing in the position he'd identified and the two of them step outside without actually saying what's going on really and slowly uh, Dan begins to walk down like as if he's compelled kind of like you were talking about uh, Karis' mother like he should just walk away but he walks down the side of this diner and he sees a telephone, you know, a, a payphone and he looks at it in a horrified way. He walks past the door and he just looks at some signage, innocuous signage, and he gets more terrified. And then he walks down some steps and the sound is building and building. And this is not in darkness. This is in not broad daylight. Daytime. It's pure daylight. And he walks towards this area at the back of the, the diner that's where the dumpster is and all bin bags are laying a strew everywhere and he approaches the corner there's a kind of an alleyway and he, as he approaches the corner yeah. the fucking most terrifying face appears from behind the fucking
1: Wurzel thing Gummidge jumps up it's from behind fu- the alley
0: it's fucking terrified and I I lost a stone oh fuck me but what David Lynch captures in that scene is what I think happens in dreams yes we find ourselves compelled to go places even though we want to turn away even though we want to look away Mm. Dan walks down towards his fate even though he knows that man will be there just like we do in our dreams and there's I found a brilliant couple of quotes from Lynch himself speaking about how films are like dreams
2: dream logic is Um, it's a, it's a thing that maybe doesn't make sense, but if, if it's, if it's put together, right, it can make a sense on a deep level, on an intuitive level. And so you don't really know how to put it in words, but it makes sense somehow on a, on an intuitive level, like a thinking, feeling level.
0: Once I watched that scene a couple of times, I just went, this is the best representation of a nightmare i've i have i have seen i've seen in cinema mm, okay it was terrifying, but it is incredible cinema I love it Have you read his book which no, is i haven't funnily enough called room to dream it's great oh wow i have to I have to
1: read it I would definitely recommend that yeah it just came out a couple of years ago or at least I only read it a couple of years ago but yeah room to dream is book on growing up and his process and his experiences in the film business and what have you. It's a, it's a really lovely sort of like um, memoir. I want to read the chapter about Dune. (laughs) Yeah. I think we, we've given it a good crack. Yeah. As I say, dream sequences in movies, there's some great ones. There's some, not some great ones. Your mileage may vary. Don't end your movie on a dream sequence unless it's as good as the jump scare from Carrie. Where the hand bursts out
0: But Yes I've never written a dream scene Have you? I've literally only written A dream scene In my more recent script Oh what's it about? I'm not telling you <laughs> I can tell you Well
1: I think This entire episode Has all been But a dream
0: <laughs> I hope it is I know. <laughs> If you didn't
1: like it It was just a bad dream
0: If you loved it It was a dream come true <laughs> there we go, Kevin. Let's wrap it up there, and let us move on to the business that we have to do at the end of every episode, which is to spin the wheel. And I've got the wheel, and here we go. Spinning. Oh my God, I need to. Spinning, spinning, spinning. Uh, I need to gird my loins. Oh, Kevin, your topic for next week. <laughs> is best assassination scene (laughs) Um, so
1: we've gone from I love you to dream scenes to assassination scenes those are cool scenes I've got my pick it's the Zapruder film the Zapruder film the The JFK assassination video oh Jesus Christ (laughs) oh Jesus Christ so there we go. We'll spin oh. it again. No, okay. <laughs> Best assassination scene. That'll be a one-shot episode.
0: Oh, oh, God. But, um, oh, God. Sh- the puns. <laughs> the puns are landing with a thud. Cool. Listen, I'm looking forward to that. So, everyone... Yeah, give us a review, give us five stars on Apple, review us on your podcast provider, or whatever the hell you can do. Kevin? Over on our Patreon, we've got lots of other bonus
1: episodes. We do mini-bits where we talk about topical things like films and TV that we've just watched so we're always
0: busy on mic yeah and there's always things coming up this is the gas thing we can never just always be happy episodes are coming there's, up yeah there's always little things where we're like going well, we're shaking hey, the Batman why, or, why don't we do something why, oh I've got an idea we always have ideas for, for, for little impromptu stuff so yeah there's, so it's great it's always it's if you are not getting enough of us all year round well Patreon is a way to get us all year round
1: and you can also subscribe on Apple if you want to Sort of a convenient way to do it But that's, you know, the other business I guess, back for the penultimate episode Of season 3 next week Best
0: assassination scene You're gonna kill next week, Kevin Oh
1: my god You're talking about me with puns
0: I know that's as good as I can get See ya Bye Best Bits Podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. If you have any notes, comments, scene suggestions, or just want to get in touch with us,
1: email us at bestbitspodcast at gmail.com.
2: And here is a clip from the lads' latest mini-bits bonus show, the full episode plus 100 more are available on their Patreon. Many bits. Another, Another new episode.
1: episode. Patreon of this Patreon
2: podcast. Exclusive. Exclusive. The best bits podcast.
0: Kevin how are you Hi honey how are you Oh you know I've got this I've got my corn sorted out I went to the Chiraptist the other day and uh, she your said Your corn uh, My corns Do you, you ever get corns No did you know what a corn is Yeah it's a bunion on your foot isn't it Yeah like in between your toes stuff like that Do, um, you,
1: do you not wear any shoes like around the house you walk No around, barefoot?
0: I, I, I wear no it's the opposite GA shorts It's the opposite I wear incredibly tight shoes Like those Chinese women who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of this last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a Mini Bits episode where we get people disgusted.
1: Squally, it's episode 73 of the Mini Bits. (laughs) I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to people into joining up every single episode and then every so often it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode. And yeah. I'm like, what did we, how did we say it? What did we say on that episode? It's different <laughs> to the other 270
0: episodes. <laughs> maybe it didn't Go. sound as desperate. Maybe we said, don't, jo-. maybe may- reverse psychology. That's how we should do it. Reverse psychology. Don't join up to our patron. Don't. It's, <laughs> You cancel. don't des- everybody cancel. You don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look need you. You. We don't we don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people we we did I don't know maybe we shouldn't say it on mic especially sorely. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh, How do you think yeah. I how do you think I did
1: I, I, I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once. So I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But, you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with, did they do the Examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And,
0: and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were they are profiled in the gar- Guardian as well. Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. we don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So, um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're you're you're, you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG <laughs> listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his <laughs> Patreon. dash.
1: I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But uh, yeah. I
0: just want to die Goes with my Prince Albert (laughs) Your hat? (laughs) Yeah Speaking of which I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth That's all I want So I can go bing Whenever I'm on a call Oh yeah Bing I usually
1: just You know Wink and like Ding Yeah
0: Starlight twinkle (laughs) Speaking of which I interrupted you What did did you want to speak of Which Start the time Oh I forgot. She you just may as well. a the right.
1: All, all these lucky losers are listening in and and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after yeah. we, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well.
0: That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to watching that. Okay.
1: Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um what else did I see? I made notes, but sure, it, it doesn't is. really matter. I think I saw it, And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh, takes your fancy.
0: Okay, okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So, um... I'm well, the Joker hear- 2 trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes, I watched that.
1: Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Chicago.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like you see it's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, look, like, Hey, listen, I uh, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, re-watch the Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go some...
1: back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes.
0: Oh yeah, that's going to be. Just to fill get me in to... like on the lower, you know, get up <laughs> to speed. Get you right up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be there going, oh, where? Where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? Where when are they going to show up? And like in you know- a weird time though where we have
1: the penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which isn't its own universe entirely.
0: Mm.
1: And then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right? And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just I don't know, I'm kind There's of so many IP
0: but like it's this, just everywhere. What well what's happened is the world, the comic book world has very much entered the the film world, is where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors, and there'd be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, oh just this is insane. the thing. Kevin, <laughs> so I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod on a podcast. What was it on one of those uh it
1: it was the last mini bits.
0: Uh, I you, think. S- you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. I- and have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to raise you. That's the only type, only where, place where I've noticed people. No, people are trying to rise oh you. Oh my God.
1: Oh my God. I could start posting now, like, um, tweets, comments, TikToks, uh, oh. articles, anything. Insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. Okay. I was like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay. <laughs> it's just it's it's everywhere. And the other th- you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? Wow. wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly, whatever. They were just they are morons. But no, <laughs> I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word. A-L-O-T, a L O T a lot. Where has where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word it's the same way that
0: people will write every time as one word what's the one that you've you've pulled me up on a few times and i can't get it right compliment compliment i can't <laughs> but i can't get it right it's like the i because i told you the other day yeah and i went searching for it and i couldn't find this because i had to actually had to an, use it if there's an i in compliment it's yeah. i'm paying
1: you a compliment. Ah, that's
0: a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, r- I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was—I would found myself writing the word compliment. I went, shit, Kevin. But, I- but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment. I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think, and I went, oh, the eye is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment. It's insane
1: how little you can retain information. It's insane.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Come here, let's talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? yeah it's it's gone it's ticking it's ticking down the world's going oh, to explode you know, I
1: have to put in the sound effect I have to I have to line oh. up all well, my sound effects when you said start I the timer like, I have a whole
2: fucking I have a whole soundboard. Here. okay a, Jesus Christ where's my fucking what where's my ding
0: dang ding here we go How the timer has started there we go there we go <laughs> yeah. right
3: okay right.